Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince, and we are here to talk about two books this week. The first one being Night Terrors, number three, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Giuseppe Camincoli, Stefano Nessi, and Casper Wingard. Uh, Vince, in Lad's chat, you had made an allusion to the quality of this book when we were talking <laughs> about what to read for this week. So I want to start with you. Um, uh, to to quote yourself about the X Men books, has Night Terrors fallen off? I yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, Tell us why. It just it just doesn't. Um, there's no story here, really. Um. I think the closest thing that we're getting to a story is is Williamson is trying to say something about the dead man character a little bit. But even that is incredibly um surface level and thin. Uh-huh. And I think I think like so to jump to the end right away cuz it's the best way I can explain this. Uh there's a moment where Boston in Batman's body within the hollow or the in-between between, between uh, the, the waking and the sleeping world. Um, <laughs> That's a freaking King of Hearts thing, actually. Yeah, it really is. It really <laughs> is. Yeah. No, literally. Yeah. Um, he finds the nightmare stone and it's within his own like writhing corpse mm-hmm. that he sees in this like in-between world. And it feels like in that scene, it's trying to say something about Boston's character or something, but I'm unclear what it is. Um, like, like, why is Boston seeing himself in this state? Why are we looking? Well, he in the text it says that he always told people he was dead before he hit the ground. But, yes, and I was just about to get to that. Yeah. Um, and, but, I, but why is that important what, what or is, relevant? What is, be, what is being said with that? So the way I took it, and this this may not be anything, the way I took it was that it was because one of the ways that Williamson is writing him is really doubling down on the bluster and like the showmanship aspect of Dead Man. Which you get sometimes in other stories, but here, like he talks about how he never understood like film actors because he didn't. Ha- you don't have the interaction with the audience, razzmatazz, jazz hands. I, I like that bit, but I feel like this is the corollary to that, where he's saying like he invented this story because it was a better story, but this is the real thing that happened. But like, is this- it a better story? I don't get why it is. I don't. You know I, I, mean? I can't I can't answer that question for you. Isn't but it, isn't it a like, better... Does it even matter, really? Like, yeah. Like, I don't. I see. My thing with this is I don't. Who kind of who cares? <laughs> you know, like I don't know. It it, it doesn't it, feel like integral to the character. It came off to me as as a writer trying to do the Scott Snyder thing, where you where you change a little thing about Batman's past. 
and uh, and it opens up some new avenue of storytelling or insight into the character or something, a secret history type thing. It sure. felt like doing that with with Boston Brand <laughs> for no reason for for a reason that doesn't matter and nobody should really care about. Um, okay, the only argument I have for that is that the way this is structured, we may find out why it matters next issue. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's I, that's like a de facto uh, thing that you kind of have to t- take with any, um, you with know, any real storytelling like this. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. He could come in next issue and, and, and give me a reason to care. But I just think it's so emblematic of how thin this whole thing is. Um, uh, now there are bits that I think are cool. Like there's things that I aesthetically like or, um, or little bits that, that they're not, they don't matter to the story, but I, I think they're neat little things that Williamson does like that. I like those opening bookend I guess they're not bookends because they're not the end. It's only it's the in each issue. There's like a one page preamble type thing. It and feels I actually, very much like something else we read this week. It, yeah, I was going to say it, very funny how that worked out. <laughs> yes, it does. It, it, it very much does. Um, but I like that. Bit because like, cast. There you go. Because like in this case, it, it does it. I, I like that. It plays a little bit with Boston's character and like, that rings true to me. I he couldn't be a, a a movie actor or whatever because there's no audience to interact with. I love that. That's great. Um, that feels like uh, something that matters to the character. You know, um, there's a bit where oh, I love the bit. I think both the art and the writing work really well in the bit where um, Dead Man decides to enter insomnia's mind even though the last time he did that that was how insomnia could track them mm-hmm. and he kind of you know daredevil that he is again i think it's a, a fitting character thing for him to do this he thinks he's just gonna sneak in and take a, a, a peek and by the end of it so he sees like part of insomnia's backstory including this part where he like cuts off his own eyelids which which, in- which was the moment that i thought that the book fell off <laughs> really see i Here's why I liked that bit. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's edge lordy, whatever. But I think from the moment he does that, and then he looks at the reader, and then he said, you know, he he lets Boston in on the fact that he knows that Boston's looking at him. The, I, that bit, like, as a the way that it functions as a comic, is very good. I think. I think it's a good it's a good mix of the writing and the visuals to create a reaction in the reader or to do it's a little trick that the book pulls. It's nothing big. It's just a small little thing that I liked that I thought was pretty effective. Um, especially being that it happens at the exact moment that he takes his his eyelids out. It's just a the way that that is sequenced is, I think, an effective bit of storytelling. Um and then the I other can, I can see that about the sequencing, yeah. That yeah. yeah. And then the other bit I like is that the the dead man Batman costume for the when when he's in the hollow is extremely dope. That's really good. Yeah. It's basically Daredevil with a cape. It is. Yeah, it rocks. <laughs> um so you know, I I I just don't 
I was going to say, you, you sound higher on this than you initially let on. I mean, those things that I like, those are like, those are like, what, five panels out of the whole story? I mean, we're talking about, I'm, I'm trying to lead with the good here. Um, I just don't think there's a story here at all. It's not, we're going to, we're going to apparently learn more about Insomnia's backstory next issue. It's like the, 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 the secret origin of Insomnia or something like that. But isn't like the that. next issue the last issue? I don't know. No, because no, aren't there there's eight? Like a, there's like no, it's only four. Oh, but then there's like a Knights End issue as well. Oh, I think it's really a six issue series because there was that yeah. opening yeah. issue too. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, but so no, I mean those things that I mentioned were were extremely minor bits that I thought were cool. I think on the whole, there's no story here, and I'm not. I mean, it's 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 really stretching to get hit twenty pages. Um, there's just nothing here. I'll agree with that. Um, I was, <laughs> I found it very annoying if I was buying this, this event to see there's a line of dialogue where I forget if it's Damien or, or Boston that says like, he's been going into other people's dreams and he hasn't found anything yet. Which basically makes it sound like all the tie-ins are absolutely pointless. <laughs> like, not not the tie-ins are ever like super important, but just like they could come out and say, like, yeah, he was trying to find something, came up shit out of luck, you know, <laughs> eight times a week for the last month and a half. Um, it just makes it sound really, really dreadful. Um, I, you know, I I thought that bringing Damien into it a little more was fine, especially because Damien, I forgot how much of a integral part Damien was in that free comic book day issue until it's referenced in an editor's box. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was like a very Damien centric issue uh, when that came out. So I thought that's okay. I think the art continues to be pretty good throughout this. Um, I think it, I think the, the art fits the story. Let me put it that way. It, it may not be my favorite style of art all the time, but I feel that there, especially the Kevin Coley pages, I feel like really fit the, the tone that Williamson is trying to do with this book. The issues that I have with the story are similar to Vince's. It just feels very slight. One of the things that I, I typically liked about DC events, and I was thinking about this last night a bit, is that DC events always tended to me to not just have a a sort of functionary role where, you know, we have to get Batman to die so that we can bring Dick Grayson is in his Batman's. So we have to kill Batman in final crisis. Like obviously those conversations happen, but each of the big sort of DC events, not just the crisis level events, the big events in general seem to have some sort of meta narrative that either dealt with the DC universe as a whole or asked a question about the DC universe. Like one of the ones that I mention all the time is the final night, but like the final night is sort of an interesting thought experiment in what if there's an event without a villain, how do we tell this sort of big story when there's not someone to punch at the end of it? That's a really interesting reason to tell a story, you know? And, and so I think that even DC events that I didn't love typically had some sort of thought behind them that was more than just like, this can be an event. This feels like they were saying, what can be an event? 
And someone raised their hand and said, like, nightmares? Brilliant. Go with it. To me, there seems to be no other reason to to have this book happening. And the main way that you can tell that's true is all of these books are being solicited on the other side of this. And I don't think one of them has said, like, after the events of Night Terrors, X, Y, Z, which is always how these books are solicited. Always. And there's none of that. And so yeah. it's just it's endless winter. It's um, it's 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 these events that are that are designed just to just to keep the lights on and just to give the regular creative teams a break. And as long as that's going to be why they're doing an event, I, I I have limited interest in this event for that reason. Zach, what did you think? Um, I'm I feel like I'm mostly pretty close to both of you guys i um i didn't love this i really yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna mostly just echo everything you guys said especially and and and, you know the things that i already said about not really connecting with whatever they're trying to do with boston um really not connecting with whatever they're trying to do with insomnia um mostly really only enjoying like some of the weird like metaphysical stuff of the not not limbo the the in-between space with like the house of horror and uh getting to see boston and or see 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 dead man dead batman in that weird you know dead man daredevil daredevil-esque looking bat suit um that that was all really fun and and cool stuff but um and and i do also like the kind of like dead man uh you know opening the dead man monologue sequences as well i i i enjoy enjoy those as kind of like a storytelling um device or not not really a storytelling device but like a scene a tone piece sort of kind of thing um but overall i just yeah i don't think that this is much of an event I, I don't really know where the story is i actually i actually think that it might be just kind of like a fun read on its own when it's all over like i can imagine taking you know like the free comic book day issue all the main issues and then like especially like the batman issues and putting all together and it could be like a pretty fun thing um but it's really going to have to do something big in these, in these last two issues for it to leave any kind of mark on me, I think. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's so hard to tell how something's going to read in the future. Um, And like a, a big part of my fandom when I was coming back to comics for the last time in the like mid aughts was going to the library and getting trades out. And so this could have been a perfectly cromulent trade to have read. I mean, I fucking read countdown and trade. So I, I've read a lot of bad trades too, but you know, this could have been a, a perfectly cromulent trade if it wasn't interrupting all the, in- I'm putting interesting here in quotes, all the interesting stuff that was happening uh, in the books for the last few months. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We're the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. 
Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. Anyway, let's move on to the Superman Annual 2023, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Mahmoud Asrar, Edwin Galman, Caitlin Yarsky, Max Rayner, and Jack Herbert. Um, so uh, are either of you staying current on the Superman series? Yeah. You are? Okay. I'm I'm behind. I'm a little behind too, but I'm aware of most of the stuff that's happening. Um, but there is some stuff in this issue that if you like didn't know at all what's going on in the Superman world, there's probably a couple of things that maybe you would need to to employ some context clues or some Googling for. But for the most part, this issue is is taking a day in the life of the Daily Planet. It follows the different writers for the Daily Planet across different assignments. And Lois Lane shakes up the system by having people cover the areas that they're usually not covering to get stories. And so because of that, we get a Jimmy Olsen story. We get a Cat Grant story. We get a... Um, I guess those are the two that get like that. The, the stories are more about them than they are the people they're covering, but it, it's structured as like get a story for the for the front page of the of the planet for tomorrow. The issue is called the City of Secrets, which is the new nickname of of Metropolis. It doesn't have enough nicknames already. Um, but I, let's sort of talk overall, and then we'll get into the specific stories. Did you guys think that this structure worked well for the annual? Yes or no? And Zach, I want to start with you. Yeah, I think it did. So my my take on this issue, I don't think it was a very good issue in terms of like a story being told. And we'll talk about the art eventually, but I, you know, visually it it wasn't great, I don't think. Um, but I think it really did the thing that I am assuming that it set out to do, which was kind of catch people up on sort of like what is going on in the Superman books. If, if they are maybe just checking in and kind of just be like a little taster of like what the line is. And, and in that way, I think it did a really good job and it actually enticed me a bit more to want to jump back in and, um and like, see basically just like get back into this run essentially so and and i don't think it was like a very good story but a good representative of kind of what the status quo is where the line is and and it did kind of entice me in that way interesting because i i don't think that this is introducing anything here that is happening in any book other than superman right well that's what i mean we use this in the Superman line, like stuff is happening across the okay, line. Okay, well, you know what I mean. The, 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 I, I, the I didn't know. That's why I was clarifying. I, I yeah, wasn't sure. Yeah. If, I wasn't sure if I missed out on something. There is stuff here that's happening in another book or something. Um, no, no. But I, I mean, like Superman's Superman. the main book. A- action is, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I get. You know, it's. I mean, I guess it kind of is like the Superman status quo, where like Lois is, you know, the editor in chief. Perry is all, you know, out. 
Lex Corp is the now Super Corp. That's yeah. all like the line stuff, you know. Mo- most of it, of course, is referencing stuff in Superman proper, but mm-hmm. the, yeah, it's still I, the I, Superman's line status quo. I apologize. I wasn't trying to be pedantic there. I really wasn't sure if I was missing something because I have as I am behind on this stuff. Um, no, I don't think you are. Okay. Um, Vince, what'd you think of this? Uh, I I liked it quite a bit, other than the art. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like the art was rough on this one. And even the artists that I traditionally like were not doing anything approaching career best work. Um, I think, I think that's rough all the way through, unfortunately. Um, And I will say, unfortunately, that seems to be the story with annuals period. Like for some reason, it feels to me like annuals, and this is this is maybe entirely projection, but it feels to me like annuals are just an excuse to churn out an extra issue that will oh, that will one hundred percent yes <laughs> that will that will, but where where everybody can kind of cut corners. I know well, artists hate when you say that, but um, god damn it, it really feels like that. <laughs> well, to me, it feels like the relief pitcher thing in baseball, like. If your relief pitcher is so good to be a starter, he'd be a starter. And so the people who are available to do, I think part of the reason you do an annual is to give the monthly artist a month off to catch up on stuff, right? So the artists that are left, if they were good enough to be on ongoings, they would be on ongoings a lot of times. And so what you're right. left with are, the, are sort of the fill-in people, right? Um, True, but they're not even doing like, like, like I like uh, Mahmoud Asrar and I like Max Rayner. Yeah. Yeah. And there are times where I like Jack Herbert. And I'm not that familiar with the other two, Edwin Galman and Caitlin Yarsky. I couldn't Yarsky did something up. recently. I can't recall what it is, but yeah. But but I think they're all none none of them do what the work that they're capable of doing on well, this. I, I don't disagree with that either, but I will say I wish that DC or comics in general would use the annuals to bring in people who don't want to do the monthly thing. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, how fucking great would it be if when saga is on break, if they got Fiona staples to do a Batman annual yeah, or anything, or annual. even just 10 pages of it. Like these guys do. Sure. You know? Sure. But, you know, but, but use, use the one off nature of it. Yes. To bring in people who maybe can't commit to doing a full run. But what happens instead is you get the people who I mean, I God bless Max Rayner. He seems like a good dude, but like that guy is is on every book as the fill-in artist or the the solicited guy needs a month off, and so Max Rayner fills in, and that is a, that is a tough job. I I'm not besmirching Rayner's work or their work ethic, but we've seen so much Max Rayner art over the last five years because of just the way that he's being used at DC. I would much rather see those pages used by, I mean, I'm, you know, Fiona Staples is not probably not going to happen, nor is Mike Mignola, nor is, you know, any other superstar artist. Yeah, but but your, your, your point is well taken, I think. Right. Yeah. Just, just do something unexpected or unusual. Bring, but even fuck, bring back like, you know, the, the, the return of Superman special from later, from later this year has the four original artists from that return of Superman era. Give those folks some of those pages. Let Butch Geist do a couple of those pages. Like, you know, I it doesn't have to be brand new talent, but just someone different. Make a 
make the make the annual feel special because that's my big takeaway from this which is i agree with zach i think in some ways this does a really good job as being a commercial for the main book but the problem with that is that it doesn't allow the this issue to really be anything other than a commercial for future stuff and there was a time when annuals would tell stories that weren't really part of the main continuity but were a fun one-off thing that again you couldn't get in in a regular issue you know annuals used to be fun team up spots because there may not be a reason to make superman and wonder woman have six issues having an adventure together but if you have 40 pages you can write a fun superman wonder woman story and that could be the wonder woman annual for whatever year like so so just do do stuff like that 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 has value beyond just being the advertisement for the rest of the line um but yeah, I uh, I do want to talk about the individual stories for a second here. So I presume that the way that the art is credited is the order in which those stories happen. So that means that Mahmoud Asrar does the opening sequence, which is the Lois Lane in the Daily Planet office, sort of, um, you know, uh, giving out the assignments. And I thought this section was more or less okay. Nothing special. I, I do wonder why Jimmy Olsen has a different haircut here than he has the rest of the issue, but that's <laughs> a very, very small nitpick. Um, They're but, always giving Jimmy Olsen some trendy-ass new haircut. They are. They are. And I don't like it ever. Um, but what I'll say about this is that Asrar is an artist who I think does really well with action sequences. And there's exactly one panel of action in this whole section, which is Superman fighting the Toy Man robot. And the rest is just folks sitting around. And that has never been Asrar's uh, best skill. Any other comments on this first section? Um, I like I like the writing here quite a bit. I like the... Um, I, I like... <laughs> I like, um, well, did this happen in the, yeah, they, they, she sent them off to their different jobs in this first section, right? Yes. Yeah. I like that. It's not the first time I've seen that. I can't think of where else I've seen like the, um, you guys are all stuck in your ruts. You're going to do each other's jobs. And, but I always think that that's a good bit. Like, I feel like that's, that's been some other, I've seen that elsewhere. Like. God, I wish I could think of another example, but I'm sure I've seen that before. Oh, yeah. Um, but it always produces. I mean, that's a good way to shake up these characters and and put them like the bit where she sends a Lombard to, to to get an interview. And he's like, she didn't want to talk about sports. And like, that's the only thing he can possibly do. Um, I love that. That's again, that's a good Steve Lombard character moment. And I think it's also fit like that. For Lois to do that, it's the sort of unconventional thing that you would maybe expect from her. Right. But also I like that I like that it results in everybody expressing a lack of confidence in her as well. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it sounds insane to everybody else, right? And then by the end of the story, I think Williamson does a good job of showing that. Yeah, it actually worked out to get some new perspectives in the paper that wouldn't have happened if Lois didn't do this. 
and I, I, I think it would be easy to drop the ball or make it seem like a stretch or something. But I think, I think that was a, a, a neat idea taken to a logical conclusion that um, was enjoyable and made sense. So I, I really liked that bit um, that kind of gets everybody out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's the opening bit. Anything to add, Zach? No, I don't think so. Okay. So moving on to the second section, which is illustrated by Edwin Gall Edwin Gallman. My phone, my uh, notes app kept wanting to call him Salmon, but that's not the last name. So this is a Mercy Graves, Jimmy Olsen, and Sister Lombard. I can't think of her first name offhand. Uh, anyone got me there? Yeah, it's um Lisa. Lisa Lombard. Another um, LL. So yeah. Superman's going to date her. Exactly. Okay. Lisa uh, Lombard. Okay, there was nice a, uh, I don't I don't like love the art in this in that last section, but, but there's the bit where uh she's sitting on the couch by uh Steve and she is doing her hair in, as a mustache. Do you see mm-hmm. that? Yes. Just like a funny little visual gag that <laughs> you, if you weren't paying attention, you would miss. Right. Yeah. But it adds like a fun little bit to a character that I know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Those um, Lombards. Yeah. Dumb as rocks. Um, so yeah, this takes us to in- inside Supercorp. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is given. I went to Metropolis and all I got was my Life Saved by Superman T-shirt, which is uh, pretty fun. And uh, this is basically like a, a tour through what what Supercorp is doing right now. We see Parasite, who is working in the office, who has a great big smile when he's first introduced. And I thought he's the Parasite so stuff was, was actually very fun in this issue, in this story, rather. Um, I think this art was perfectly cromulent. Nothing necessarily outstanding. There's a couple of panels where the faces are maybe a little rough, but I felt like it it did the it did the good stuff when it needed to. Like all the parasite stuff looked really good. And uh there was enough sort of fun moments in there for Gallman to to do you know interesting things with the panels or just like especially showing Parasite and the Parasite quote puppy. All that stuff was 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 fine for me. Um, Zach, what did you think of this section? Yeah, I I liked this section quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think. I I didn't really like rank these out in my head, but this flip, flipping through it, this might have been my favorite section of the issue. Uh, as far as like the little vignettes, yeah, I think it was. Um, both like visually and just from like a story perspective, I, I like this section quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Vincy, yeah, it was it was um, it was fun. I love what they did with Parasite. Um, I think the it got the wheels in my head turning because. It, it almost feels like Parasite is being set up to be um, 
uh, like a clay face style, have like a clay face style face turn, maybe sure, a little, sure, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. which on on the one hand, you, you never want a company to do that with too many of their villains, you know, because then you start to run out of your good Actual villains, villains. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But if they've decided that Clayface is a bad guy again, which seems to be how that's going, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe there's room for Parasite to be a, a good guy for a while. I don't know. On the other hand, because the technology that's that's keeping Parasite fed and keeping him at bay is Parasite essentially... Is bay. Bay. Parasite is bay. <laughs> yep. Before anyone else. Um, uh because it's super corp slash lex corp technology it there is that like undercurrent of is could this turn bad is this going to be something sinister in the end um and i just like that my my mind is trying to weigh like which way it's going to go and I, I i enjoy the fact that i don't know and the book doesn't seem to be telegraphing what they're doing with that so so yeah, again, I thought the writing, you know, if if I, <laughs> I, I feel bad for shitting on, uh, you know, Williamson and Night Terrors, but I think the writing here and the a lot of the choices made in this are quite good, um, and that's just another example. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so the next section up is. Um... Again, it starts with the with the scene Vince talked about with Steve Lombard back in Lois's office, and then she goes to interview Livewire in uh whatever the the prison is called, and we get strikers, uh, yeah. was it strikers strikers it? yeah, we get the return of the Red Cloud yeah <laughs> everyone obviously remembers very well from the uh, from the, uh, from the Brian Bendis era of action comics Lord. yeah. Um, was that this was he doing the, action is, and Superman? I think it he was, was that right? he was doing both. Yeah, this yeah. character was specifically, I think, in action. I think so too. Yeah, this is the one bit of the annual where I was like, I. It's not that it's bad. I was just like, I didn't need. I don't need this again. Sure, sure. No, <laughs> I, I, I concur with that. Um, there's a, uh, you know, the Red Cloud was never a great character. Uh, I don't think Livewire is exactly a plus either, but I did like the idea of Lois giving, uh, giving Livewire like a a gossip column essentially in the Daily Planet. And that was fun. That yeah. works, I guess. This this was good in the sense that I love it whenever Lois gets to scrap it up a little bit. But not yeah. not a fantastic story. Any other notes on this section? Mm, no, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think so. Okay. Well, uh, let's see what's coming up next. Next, we get the part that is... Oh, I forgot to mention that part was illustrated by um, Caitlin Yarsky. The next section is illustrated by Max Rayner. And this is the big art clunker for me of this issue. There is one panel that is so clearly a Christopher Reeves uh, trace (laughs) that it's just like it's really bad. This whole section, 
felt like the worst version of of what uh Max Rayner does. Her- Herbert. I'm sorry. This is Jack, this is Jack Herbert or Max Rayner. I, I think this is Herbert. Oh, okay. Yeah, then it's not. Then, then it's not listed. Then it's not listed in order. Then okay. My I was just going by who was listed in order. Um. Yeah. Jack Herbert. Yeah. This is just not not great art at all. Uh, the story's fine. I think it is listed in in order. I think Rainer was. Uh, I just messed up that when I was doing. I think. My, uh... I think Rainer was the red cloud stuff. Okay. Then 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 Yarsky is out of order. Then. Well, or maybe they. Maybe they shared. No, Does I Rick... think it is out of. I think well, yeah. Okay, so I think it is out of order because I'm pretty positive Rainer is the stuff at the very end. Oh, Rainer's the Lobo stuff. Yeah, I I think so. Mm. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Herbert is this one because Herbert does the the um the photorealistic celeb, stuff. Yeah. photorealistic caricature shit all the time. Yeah. Oh, but. <laughs> uh, or, or is that wrong? Who could say, who could say yeah. about any of this? I, I do wish <laughs> that these would just have individual credits on it. I kind of think that maybe they might be in order of appearance. So, like, okay, so Asrar does the first few pages for sure. Yes. Then Edwin Gallman does the scene in the planet. I think maybe Yarsky is Wait, the, the scene, scene in the planet. It's been in Supercorp. No, at the planet. That's Gallman. Okay. So Asrar's only doing two pages up top, then you think? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely not Asrar on the planet. Yarsky no. is the Yarsky is the um parasite stuff. Yeah, that's Yarsky. Okay. Yeah. Then sure. Rainer does the bit with Lombard. Yep. 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 Yep, that's Rainer. Then is it uh Herbert doing Then Herbert the... does the Superman Toy Man Maryland Midnight yeah. section. And then Gallman comes back again to do one page of um Jimmy and Silver Banshee and the planet. Well, there's and a bunch of pages one... in that same style, right? Isn't is okay? That, isn't... Okay, yeah, there are. I, I thought the Superman page looked different. There's like three pages here, yeah, yeah, with like Superman and Lois, and then Perry, and then the back part at the end. That actually might be Azrar. It's either Azrar or Rainer. Yeah, again, just 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 put the credits. I, I in a lot of comics it'll say, you know, Mahmoud Azrar pages one, two, seventeen, and eighteen. Yeah, I don't know why they that, didn't please, do that. Yeah, it's yeah. really confusing. Yeah. Regardless, um, the Herbert section is not great. Although I did, I, I I did somewhat appreciate the uh, Marilyn Midnight stuff, only mm-hmm. because that is that the name Marilyn Midnight. Yeah, that's right. I had the wrong Moon- out of my mouth. Mar- Marilyn Moonlight. Moonlight. There we go. Moonlight. Okay. Thank you. Um, Midnight's is a Taylor Swift album. Yes, it is. Um, as I learned. Uh. <laughs> I just I think your midnights, the... but I'll be cleaning up the bottles with you on New Year's Day. That's <laughs> right. Uh, just like the the, I like the look of that character. I like the sort of light construct of of the of the mask and the bottom of the of the uh, of the hat. I think it's a cool design, and I I kind of like the Cat Grant stuff that's happening here a little bit too. 
I Cat Grant can be a character that um to me is very dependent on who's writing it in terms of my enjoyment. But I, I, I somewhat enjoyed this this Cat Grant uh character. And yeah, that that's how I feel about that section. What do you boys think? Yeah. I, I was wondering, I don't know when the story of her son dying happens. Was that when when was that? Was that recent or was that like a long time ago? Um who could say? Uh I, <laughs> talk amongst yourselves, I will look this up. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. No, I'm looking it up. This uh. was Keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah. So uh, it was um, it was during the Dan Jurgens era. Okay. So oh, it was ninety three. Okay. In nineteen ninety three. Okay. I'm sorry. What came in the Jurgens era? Uh, Cat Grant's son being murdered. By oh yes. Clinton. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. I liked I liked that scene a lot as well with 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 her and Marilyn. Um. That's the payoff I was alluding to earlier with switching up these characters and having them do these different assignments. I think it pays off extraordinarily well there. Um, and uh, there's, yeah, she's this mysterious character we don't know anything about. And perhaps Kat, Kat Grant was the only one with the way to figure out how to get her to do an interview. You know, it's right. It works. It's really satisfying, I think. Zach? Yeah, no, I agree. I I felt the same way about it. I I have I had almost no interest in this Marilyn Moonlight character before this moment. Um, but I like this pairing. It's almost kind of like the this the new Lois Lane and Superman mm-hmm. kind of dynamic. Um and I and I really like that. So I am interested in more of it. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us back to the uh, back to the framing device of the planet, and we get Super I get Clark and Lois talking about their days, and uh, we see that it wasn't Toy Man that was actually controlling the robots. It was kids playing a video game. Thought it was a demo. That's kind of fun. And then there comes this re- reveal that. So throughout the issue, Lois is asking folks to dig through the archives in the planet because she feels there's nothing on Lex for his first five years in Metropolis. And how can that be? And it turns out that there was stuff written about Lex, but it was quashed by Perry White. I thought that's actually a pretty fun reveal. I I, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, recontextualizing Perry White as a bad guy or anything like that. I, I think there's going to be a, a reason why. And I'm interested to see what that reason why is. I think Perry White's a character that for a very long time now has not really had any character beats aside from just being the boss. There was a brief time. Who who owned the planet recently? Was Morgan it Cat Edge. Grant? Oh, oh that's what it was. Lex owned it for a minute. Yeah, but even in those situations, Perry's whole character is just like, he's the avatar of what the planet should be. And the new owner is fucking with things, but Perry is like the true blue, the the heartbeat of the Daily Planet. But there hasn't been too much about him really outside of that in a very, very long time. Since, I mean, maybe there's stuff I'm forgetting, but during the return of Superman era, 
there was a bunch of stuff with his wife that was interesting that was happening in I think the Simonson book maybe or the Roger Stern book. I can't remember which one now. Um, but you know, it's cool to see Perry doing something. Do you folks agree with that? Yes, I I think that's a I think that's a really interesting nugget that gets dropped there. Um, I think it's one of the it's like like you said, Brian, it doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It's just a legitimately good mystery as to why he would have reason to do that. And um again, the fact that the fact that I have no inkling yet as to why that is and 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 can't really guess at it um leads me along here. Um an, another another thing that this annual does really well, as Zach stated earlier, in like setting up some possible storylines for down the road. Zach. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, that, that revelation coupled with the uh, idea planted being planted that Perry is going to run for mayor of metropolis. I think those two things together add this kind of air of mystery in terms of his you know intentions his his motives even his like his you know his virtue i guess in some way you know how his his how how is is he does he have a a, a bit of a dark past and and it, probably not but I, I think it is like an interesting bit of spice for the character um so i i did really like that and th- i'm also intrigued by this whole idea of lex having acted as a hero for a time and what that looks like and what that means for the character. I'm again, all of this kind of goes into enticing me to give this Ron a second chance. But wasn't Lex acting as a hero. Is that a reference to like when he was on the justice league? No, I thought it was hold on. I thought that that was like in in the five year Re- stuff in reference to the five years. Okay. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I may I have misread remember. that, but I'm trying, I, I I'm couldn't trying remember. to find like where right. it is. Lex Luthor's past as a hero. How was that kept secret? That's like the first that's on the, the big Superman toy man splash page at the beginning. Was that when he was with the justice league, was that known? I can't remember if that was public or not. I think it had to have been pretty public. Yeah. I just don't remember. As long as this results in Lex being seen in the uh, Earth Three <laughs> uh, Lex yes. hero outfit, I'll be happy. Yes. But yeah, I, I thought overall, we should, I guess, said the last little bit of this story is a uh, Lobo because people love Lobo. We love Lobo, don't we, folks? Last of the Caesareans, very strong. Very strong. <laughs> a daughter, lesbian. I don't know how about that. I don't know how I feel about that. But, you know, uh, yeah. Um, yes, we, we get Lobo, and Lobo is, uh, they're getting some blood out Dr. of him. Dr. Farm was very unfair. <laughs> Sorry. There we go. There we go. Um, Dr. Farm, you know, that, that almost sounds like we don't like him very much. <laughs> Dr. F- another Dr. F. <laughs> anyway uh brainiac is behind this brainiac has a um a 
what, what what do they call it? Like like Candor, a bottled city. The bottled city of Zarnia. Yeah. Bottled, yeah. And uh you know I, I look I don't think that Lobo is ever going to have an ongoing in the way Lobo had an ongoing in the nineties, which probably went like Asriel level long, right? Um but Lobo's a fun character to bring in now and then, and I think bringing him into the Superman books makes a lot of sense. There's been a lot of that in the past, but also just, you know, someone who's equally powered to him, and so there there could be some fun stuff happening there. And, and and again, like Zach said, I think this is this was full of a lot of interesting teases for the Superman book. After you guys talk about Lobo, I do have a question about that, though. Um, I don't guess I have like a ton to say about it other than I'm less interested in whatever Dr. Farm and Mr. Graf, which um just got to put on the record are really dumb names. Um, <laughs> whatever they're fun. doing with Lobo is less interesting with whatever Brainiac is doing with the bottled city of Zarnia, not Narnia, Zarnia. Um, that's that's my take on that. But imagine if it was Narnia. Imagine if it was. How have we not talked about how Greta Gerwig is doing Narnia <laughs> movies for Netflix? Uh, I don't. I believe this is one of those things that will never actually happen. Yeah, probably. But, but you're right. That's that's DC three nep right there, for a number of reasons. Uh, going to see Barbie on Friday. I'll I'll report back. Oh, I think I am too. It's Aaron's birthday, and that's what she wants to do for her birthday. So happy nice. to oblige. Uh, Vince, any any Lobo or Brainiac thoughts? I don't have anything to say about this, except that I, I do think that the bottled city of Zarnia is, is fun. It's a fun idea. You know, uh, Brainiac has been a collector of these bottled worlds and bottled cities over the years. And I feel like that idea comes up again and again in stories with Brainiac, but it's never really explored all that much or, you know, in a, in a way like this, you know, where we've not considered, well, what if he has a, a city full of Zarnians, you know, what if he has and, and, and what could be done with that? So, you know, if that story bears fruit, that's another fun, uh, fun little tease here. So, so here's my question about this. Is there enough space in Superman for all this stuff to be followed up on? I think the Brainiac thing might be might be more of a next event type thing. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah. I think all the other stuff, yes. This is there's a lot introduced here. And mm-hmm. and and it's a lot of stuff that isn't Superman heavy. And that book is Superman. It's going to always be Superman heavy. Is this going to lead into a bunch of backup features? I could see that. Or is there going to be a Daily Planet like backup feature that doesn't have Superman stuff? Because, you know, the cat, like, let's say the Cat Grant stuff, for instance. The Cat Grant story really has nothing to do with Superman. But that was one of the yeah, more interesting stories. Yeah, but I think that Moonlight character is in Superman, though. Yeah. Sure. But I'm just saying, will there be enough time to fully explore this? Or is this kind of selling the readers a an idealized version of what this book could be that they're never going to get. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't think there's too much introduced here aside from the the Brainiac teaser. I, I think if that spins off into its own like future event type thing and everything else stays contained in the Superman book, I think that's the same kind of amount of stuff that Williamson has been trying to tackle in this book all along. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I asked that is because I really liked this and mm-hmm. I, I want to see these stories continue. And I feel like every time there are these type of books, I never feel that they're properly followed up in the actual ongoings. Well, that's that's just modern comics these days. That's just, you know, you're not getting 100 issue runs anymore. You're not getting tons of series spun off that have no business being. <laughs> Like, like if this were the <clears throat> 2000s or something, there'd be a Marilyn Moonlight comic. And that's, that would run for 45 issues somehow <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not going to happen. So we'll just get her in drips and drabs in this book. And mm-hmm. and that's just the way comics are these days. Although I will say that there that new Josie Campbell Amazon's attack book feels very much like a 90s or 2000s book where there's a bunch of characters that kind of have a connection and DC is letting somebody run with that. And I could see a similar book taking place in Metropolis or just in the Superman family You know, with, with all the backups that happen in action. I guess there's still two backups per issue in action. And so you know, there there is there is just a lot happening in Metropolis now. And with the Power Girl book starting and there's a Supergirl special happening in October. It, there's just a ton happening in the Superman books. And I am, I for one, am very happy about that. We always talk about how there could be so much more happening in those books than we actually get. So I, I, I'm, I'm pleased with this. I just hope we're going to keep this up essentially. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts? Um, No, I think that's all the notes I, I have. Yeah, I am going to try to catch up on this run, though. So, Vincey, what comes out next week? Ah, shit. I've been so good. Hang on. Talk next about, week being the 15th. Talk about uh, our Lord and Savior, Taylor, for a second. No, hang on. If if you're a Patreon subscriber, there is the first episode of Swiftberg, a splinter podcast. <laughs> Vincent's active by Taylor Swift available. Yeah, uh, it's also a sorry. Little- a little mini bonus that I'm involved with with that as well. Um, he just had to wedge himself in between Zach and I. Just I, no, I, I wanted to be a part of your fun. Oh, okay, all right. You had to tell which one of us was better than the other one. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, and it, which I don't one have... is worthy of his love. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't get to give you all my thoughts on God, huh? You're welcome to come on. We said come on, Chris. Berg, I know, next I time, know, I know that those were lyrics from some song, right? Like some dishwallows counting blue cars. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, okay, I've got the books here. Um, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, number eighteen. Batman, White Knight presents Generation Joker, number four. God, that's Whoa. still going. What? Um, Hawk Girl, number two. The Night Terrors books are Catwoman 2, Nightwing 2, Punchline 2, Superman 2, Wonder Woman 2. We've got the Penguin number zero. We've got Tales of the Teen Titans or Tales of the Titans, I guess, just um, number two and the Vigil number four. Well, if you have to find us, uh, two thirds of us are on Threads and Blue Sky. I am at Brian Inzanap. 
And I'm at the Woke of Z. And recently the Blue Sky. Yeah, also on Blue Sky. You're welcome. I, had, I don't think I've I don't think I've blue I don't think I've blue skied anything. Uh, you yet. haven't blued yourself yet. I haven't they, blued myself. Does Blue Sky have an app? Well, yes, it does. Um, but I will say, apparently, in like on CNN and whatnot, they call the act of posting skeeting, which I don't think they know what that means. <laughs> uh, but so uh, yeah, we're we're, we're we're skeeting all over the place. Just like we're living in the future, little John promised us is <laughs> essentially what's <laughs> happening here. Um, uh, anyway, so that's where we are. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, currently. Uh, oh, he, he he's listening to the great, great, great music of uh, Lou Monte and other Italian classics with his dad. <laughs> I'm listening to the new Carly Rae album, and it's a banger. Is it? She, she did it again. Oops, she did it again. <laughs> uh, she's the queen of pop. Uh, you know, I, she's I'm, a genius, Brian. I was just gonna say, I'm all is waiting for. All I'm waiting for is the genius tag there. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you next time. Bye. What is the good goods? The goods means like silly boy. Oh, that's me. Yeah, I was saying it's what like old old my old Italian relatives used to call all the boys in the family. <laughs> hey, good guts, come over here. You know that that sort of a thing. When they couldn't remember your name, that's they would call you the guts. <laughs>